dream team. Adam, Bobby, Josh, you got the news feed. It's the big three. It's the dream team. Big three IDP. Let's go. What's up, you diehards, you degenerates, you lovers of defensive football? This is Josh Raymer, and we are back with another episode of the Big Three IDP Podcast. And I'm joined in the Sojack and in StreamYard by two fellow degenerates, one of whom is about to get murdered. It's Adam Markham, Bobby Reynolds. Bobo, how are you, man? I'll go to you first. How are you? I'm doing real good, Josh. Eating a banana right now. Sorry, I didn't realize you were mid-bite. Addy. <laughs> Got a good heart, Bobby. How's that nanner treating you? Yeah, it's, it's keeping his heart pumping. That's right. That's it. That's all we have time for him some days is dads. It's just sustenance. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Get it in you. That's why Adam eats most of his dinners at 930 when he comes into the soda. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Some good food talk to start off the pod, boys. Some good nutrition talk. Uh, so we have a great episode for you all today. We teased it last week, even though Addy completely whiffed on the uh, the tease that we did. Oops. But in your defense, you were getting your dog. Sure. So, and also you don't listen to the pod. Right. As we actually right, record right, right. it. Right. So. Right. I never listen to you. Uh, even when we're doing this. That's right. Just waiting on what I'm going to say next. That's right. The, the hamster wheel is turning. You just hear the. <laughs> as it's going so uh this is gonna be a fun so gentlemen we've got uh the one and only tom kisslingberry from dynasty league football and the read and react podcast is going to be joining us on the show uh we talk about all sorts of stuff sort of the big picture coronavirus issues how that affects your fantasy football strategy we talked idp players that he's targeting and rookies it's going to be a lot of fun so we're not going to dilly dally too long here fellas but we do have some very exciting announcements that we wanted to touch on addy some big things Mm. that we are ready to share with our beloved listeners so first thing we'll remind you about addy we've got these amazing t-shirts you don't that's not your big three t-shirt adam stop shaking it in the camera imagine if it was there yeah (laughs) if it was if it was your shirt so the big three idp t-shirts very soft very nice and we are running the giveaway right now just send us a screenshot of your Mm -hmm. review on apple Podcasts, or send us a screenshot of you recommending the pod to someone and you'll get a couple entries for the shirt we're going to give away a shirt free shirt it's a free shirt once the season kicks off we'll get a pick of that out this week too i don't know if people have seen that very much it's a good looking shirt if you want us to all sign it we can do that absolutely Mm -hmm. Let's ship it to our house and then pay to ship it somewhere else, Addy. That mm-hmm. sounds great. I love it. It's a good that. idea, me. Yeah. So, uh, and if you want to buy a shirt, just go to our website, Big3IDP. There's a merch tab. You can see all sure. the cool stuff we have. Ship but, it to us. We'll sign them. We'll send them back to you. Yeah, I'm sure that's mm-hmm. what they want is three three bros signatures on this <laughs> on this shirt that they're going to wear. Um, so check that out. Go uh, go do, leave us a review. It's really helpful. Uh, it helps us out getting discovered uh, when people are looking for IDP podcasts. So help us out, Addy. That's the least we ask. Sure. And then we also have an update on the big three network. So Joey's pod, the IDP update dropped its first episode this week. You'll want to check that out. He is looking at bounce back candidates for 2020. Uh, We have another pod that is in the works from Joe Redman called deep league diving. Mm. I'm very excited about this. We'll be recording its first episode here very soon. This is about like, who are those guys on like your taxi squads? 
the the practice squads of the NFL teams, the guys at like number fifty four on your fifty five man mm-hmm. roster. What's their deal? Yeah, what's going on with them? And this <laughs> is the season where we want to go deep league diving at it because those guys mm-hmm. may end up being weekly starters by the time twenty twenty is over. Mm-hmm. So check that out. We also have three or four. I don't. I can't even keep track anymore. It's hard. But we have like three other pods in the works that should be debuting very soon. They're just people just beating the door down to to, to get on these this network with us. That's right, Addy. That's right. So make sure to stay tuned. We have the Big Three Network Twitter handle that will be sharing all of those pods as they drop their first episodes. So we also have some big news that we've been looking forward to sharing for a while. We have decided on our recording schedule for this fall, and Addy will be adding some familiar faces to the rotation. So the way we're going to break it down, we're going to have the Sunday night recap pod that will record during halftime of the Sunday night game. So that will drop late on Sunday night. We're going to try to keep it. Try keyword, try to 45 minutes to an hour, just recapping what we've seen on Sunday. And my brother, Connor, AKA Connie will be joining us for the (laughs) recap pod. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's joining uh, his first IDP league this, this fall. So we're going to get him into that IDP world. Um, and then uh, it'll be the three of us for the Thursday uh, evening show where we preview the upcoming slate. So that's how we're going to kind of structure it this year. Recap, preview. We'll see. We may make it three weeks and want to blow our brains out and just go back to one mm-hmm. show yeah. occasionally. And uh, your boy's adding a uh, DFS pod. That's right. So. Uh, with uh, Johnny or yeah, Johnny the Greek. You and Johnny are going to be is, doing yeah, that's breaking news, right? Breaking there. news. First one time. Of the, one of the three pods that we were talking about, you guys have a DFS pod that will be dropping Thursday night as well. You guys will record right after we get done recording the big three. So, mm-hmm. but that's not all we have cooking for mm. this season. More? Mm-hmm. There's more, Eddie. There's more. So on Saturdays, we are doing something extra special this year. Our very own medical expert, Lee Andrews, a.k.a. Dr. Leesus himself, mm-hmm. will be doing a quick rundown of Friday's injury reports and telling you, the listeners, which fantasy-relevant guys will be impacted most by their injury. And this will be free in our regular podcast feed, Bobby. Can you believe it? Oh, I truly can't. Dr. Lezus, I am so excited to hear what you have to say for our listeners. Yeah, Dr. Lezus, if you go back and listen to the draft recap pod, he was on there uh, with us and Mike doing, um, I believe, the defensive side, and then you two and Ben did the (laughs) offensive side, right? Bright kid. Bright bright. kid. Bright future ahead. Both in life and in fantasy, he's football. been uh, on the front lines. He has of, with his COVID stuff. That's right. He's uh, he's studying for some big medical exam he has coming yeah. up. He's been fighting COVID and he's been playing golf. That's pretty much been his life. But by the time football season rolls around, he'll be doing this Saturday morning injury podcast. So we're going to try our best to get you prepared to dominate in a year when injury and turnover and illness is going to be unfortunately more prevalent than ever. So look forward to it. Lee and Connie joining the mix for the Sunday recap show, the Thursday preview show, and the Saturday medical injury show. So look forward to that. And next week, Addy, we have one of our favorites coming back to the pot. I'm kind of surprised we honestly did not scare him off. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Kyborg, Kyle Borgannoni of the (laughs) Fantasy Footballers, the editor-in-chief, and the new host of their DFS podcast, 
is going to be coming back to catch up with the big three. Oh, competition now. That's right. You and Johnny's competition. We That's may have right. to try to see if we can size him up. Yeah. See what, uh, <laughs> see what's going on with that. I am excited. Uh, Kyborg is going to talk to us about his first ever IDP draft, which we just wrapped here not too long ago in the listener league that we have on the sleeper platform. So we'll talk to Kyborg about his first IDP draft. Um, and our, re- our redraft rankings, those are out now. That's we gotta, right. We got to touch on that. So we'll touch on the redraft ranks as well. Um, and then we'll be breaking down the NFC South. Kyle is an Atlanta Falcons fan, so he'll be helping us go through that divisional preview. That will be dropping late Thursday night. So look forward to that. One of our favorites coming back, Addy. Can't wait. Should be a lot of fun. All right, Bobo, you think we should get into it here? No, I think we shall. All right. We'll let you finish that banana. Let's jump over to the three of us and Tom Kisslingberry talking football. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back and we are very excited to welcome into the virtual Soj Shack one of our favorite IDP follows on Twitter. He's dancing right now because he's so excited to be with three Kentucky boys as a proper English gentleman. Yes, sir. This is the guy, gentleman, who helped kind of launch the Big Three pod- Big Three IDP podcast when we got started. Gave us the retweet that kind of shot this rocket ship off. So we're forever grateful to the man, the myth, the legend. You know him from Dynasty League Football and the Read and React podcast. It's Tom Kisslingberry. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That is way, way, way too kind. Um, so I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint all of your wonderfully educated and excited and brilliant listeners now with some fairly tepid takes. So sorry in advance. Well, we had our listeners, we, our last episode, we tried to mix it up and do window to the wall, which was basically mm-hmm. ceiling and floor. And our listeners were suggesting Mountain Dew flavors yeah. uh, <laughs> for the ceiling and the floor. So no, we did not have educated listeners. Um, we, we know what we're getting into. And that's what we love about them. We love our listeners, uh, but they're a unique breed. Mm-hmm. Well, you've helped me out with the time uh, zone, of course. Um, I'm a few hours ahead. So over here, it's evening time. The sun has gone down and I've got some horrible beer on the go. So well, there you go. thank you very much for making time in your afternoon. Um, the takes will get worse, I, I promise. Yeah, that's how Adam usually mixes monster and beer. Yeah. So he's simultaneously <laughs> yelling or like kind of right. low energy and kind of cool. Yeah, normally I'd be drinking with you, but I don't know. Two, I got to go to a birthday party at five. I don't want to show up smelling like beer. <laughs> you should definitely be drinking then. What are you doing? It's my niece and nephew. I don't need to. I don't need to do that. So, uh, but yeah. Oh man. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, Tom. We've got a lot to talk about. The NFL season has officially kicked off. Teams are reporting for training camp. Unlike past years, it's not necessarily the most exciting thing as far as like TV coverage or news. Mainly a lot of coronavirus testing right now. Uh, there's going to be some physicals and some, um, you know, some some workouts to kind of get these guys in shape, some conditioning work. Uh, but we do have some stuff to talk about, and uh, we're really excited to have you on. Um, you know, 
the the co-host of Read and React. You guys have been doing that pod. You you and Adam have been doing that pod for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, I, I think three years. I mean, we don't record it every week because just finding time um, is super hard. Uh, Adam's got a little baby girl, uh, so it's fairly difficult um, making it work on a weekly basis. But yeah, it, it's brilliant fun. It's lovely having a podcast. Um, I really started listening to to football podcast sort of four or five years ago, something like that. And it was draft season. Um, and I was training for a marathon at the time. So I was, I was running a lot and listening to a lot of podcasts and, and sort of fell in love with them then. And then I got the opportunity to uh, pick up the Read and React um, after the original host uh, uh, sort of fell apart. And it's just been brilliant fun. Sticky is just such a good dude. My, my footballing brother. Um, and we have a brilliant time. So we are just grateful for the chance that anybody listens at all and cares what we say. That's right. And it is nice when you're trying to put out a semi-regular podcast to actually have something to talk about. So Mm -hmm. we're going to hit on some of the news here right off the top, but we're going to get into some larger kind of macro viewpoint discussions because, A, there's not a whole lot of news to really dig into, but also because this football season is going to look different than anything we've ever done, anything we've ever seen before. So we're going to touch on that as well. But, Tom, let's start here. the opt-out. This is something that is brand new for 2020. Um, players who have concerns over you know, participating in this NFL season have the option to opt out, to not play in 2020. There's two different tiers, depending on if you have some medical issues going on that make you higher risk. And we've seen some big names opt out. Devin Funchess, Damian Williams, Nate Solder, Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower. And just before we got on mic, and we've got to talk about it, C.J. Mosley, the linebacker for the New York Jets, opted out for this season. We'll get into kind of the implications of football in this kind of coronavirus world, Tom. But I want your kind of instant reaction here. What does Mosley opting out mean for the Jets linebacking core? It's a bit of a mess, isn't it? I mean, the Jets are really interesting anyway, because uh, they had poor talent last year, but it was a really good defense, uh, top 15 defense. And that's sort of um, a tribute to Greg uh, Williams, who is a terrible human being. We have to say that uh, for the whole um, bounty thing, but a fantastic coach. He continues to put out good coaches. He made Alec Ogletree look good at linebacker. So I look at that unit now, and I'd love to hear your point of view. I, I think Avery Williamson's by far the best linebacker in that in that unit now. He is accomplished. He's a good player. Now, it doesn't mean he will be the best at the end of the season because Blake Cashman's got a ton of talent, right? Um, he sort of didn't flash it last year. He was out on the field and he did all right. And he piled up some tackles. I thought he got picked on a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's a rookie. He's a rookie linebacker and not a high round pick. Um, he came in with with talent and athletics, but also some big problems. So hopefully he can develop. He can turn into a good player this year. And then after that, you've got Neville Hewitt, James Burgess and Patrick Onwasaw. And I just, I'd look at them and go, they're just guys. They they could be not make the team. They could be cut. They could be starting. I've got no idea, but I'm not a big fan of those. So knowing Greg Williams' history, he, he tends to pick two inside linebackers and just give them all the snaps. He's not a rotator. Um, he keeps them out there whenever he possibly can. So whoever wins those two jobs, I feel relatively comfortable, or I would do in a normal year, that they're going to deliver probably top 30 linebacker seasons. This year, I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be easy for anyone to play 900 snaps and stay healthy all year. I think everyone's got this random chance that we cannot predict in any way of just getting ill and missing three weeks straight away. Mm-hmm. So I, I think everyone on that list, those five players will probably start games, but I'm looking at Williamson and Cashman and thinking good chance to be top 24 linebackers. 
Mm-hmm. How are yeah. you guys thinking? Uh, I, there's a lot of people that sort of think James Burgess and Neville Hewitt or Patrick Onward score are good. Uh, uh, are you those guys? I'd love to hear the, the case made. No, I mean, Burgess was definitely usable last year for IDP um, just because the opportunity was there. <laughs> by right? default, right? Yeah. yeah, by default. Someone yeah. has to get in there and get the snaps. Um, I think I'm probably uh, obviously more interested in Williamson coming off the ACL. Uh, happened in preseason last year. He should be good. I haven't heard any reports uh, to the contrary that he's not recovering well from that uh, injury. So yeah, Williamson, I don't think I'm really interested in any of the other guys at this point right now. I think I'd rather take my shot on other teams yeah. and maybe see if I can grab one of these guys um, off waivers if one of them gets the opportunity or uh, due to injury or just they earn the job. Addy, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Williamson's going to be my number one target. Um Smart on them for not cutting him. I know we all thought that was maybe going to be something that they could do because of the, uh, you know, he he's owed quite a bit of money. I think six million uh, per year is what he's making. But uh, so he's my first target. Uh, I do actually, I don't mind Neville Hewitt. I mean, he played really well last year when he got opportunity. Blake Cashman, he's also coming off an ACL right, and it was a little more later into the year. Um, but he was yeah, impressed- he got hurt week eight or something like that, and then didn't yeah. play after that. So, I, because none of us wanted to watch the Jets last year because right. that was no fun. I think we've sort of forgotten a lot of what happened. Yeah, yeah. But- he was a torn labrum and a fractured shoulder. Okay, so- that's uh, that was on Halloween. That story. Came so, out. I mean, I you know <laughs> they brought uh, they brought Hewitt back for I think two million. So, I think that it, I think that it's probably going to be Williamson and Hewitt to start out. But yeah, I think once Cashman maybe gets uh, proves that he's healthy and okay and and trust that knee. I, I think we could see him sprinkled in, but I mean, all those guys are going to be on my radar. Mm-hmm. You know, they should be. Yeah. Cause that's, there was production to be had. There were points to be had with this jets linebacking core last year and no more Jamal Adams. That's right. That's true. So uh, Adams uh, tackles, you know, I think does this uh, Bobby, any more interest now in Bradley McDougal? Is he, a, is he a winner in your mind? Um, I mean, you kind of have to be interested in this point, you know, because surely Greg Williams knew about the possible opt-out from C.J. Mosley before the Jamal Adams trade. Uh, Maybe that's possibly something that they had a discussion about because, you know, you're obviously losing a ton of tackles, possibly in C.J. Mosley. I know it's been two years since he was actually on an NFL field, Um, but moving Jamal Adams for Bradley McDougal is fine for 2020. I know they got a lot of picks back if that can actually work out, but it just sucks for the Jets. You know, they were seven and nine last year, which is kind of sneaky interesting. Um, I cannot believe they won seven games. That was the most surprising stat that I heard from last season. It's so bizarre, but I mean, I don't know. I'd like to hear from Tom on the Ashton Davis take. I'm I'm moderately interested in Ashton Davis. You know, as kind of a a lighter rookie sleeper there. But I think Bradley McDougal is probably the guy that will play a little bit more in the box because of Adam uh, Adams being gone. Yeah, the way I see it, I I think Greg Williams' system is a clear strong safety free safety uh, split, but the strong safety is not, you know, box banger like Ronnie Harrison, or it used to be, you know, 15 years ago, it is a guy who's who's often put over the tight end. So they end up playing in the slot a lot. I, I think Jamal Adams clearly did that. He was fantastic in the slot. He was coming out from LSU. I think McDougal can do that. He didn't do it so much last year because of the way the Seahawks set up, but I've seen him do it before. Um, I think he'll do that. And then, yeah, the way I see it is that free safety, that that single high job is, is going to be a, a tussle all year long between Marcus May and Ashton Davis. Marcus May is a good player. He's certainly an acceptable NFL starter. He's a top 64 safety in the league. Um, but it appears the Jets brain trust in their infinite wisdom 
there's a lot of sarcasm there because they're clearly terrible at their jobs. Very, very bad. bad. Well, well, sorry, I'm going to go slightly off topic. Um, I tend to side with the fact that NFL coaches and front office are actually way smarter than any of us sitting at home in Twitter going, you lot are idiots, um, get. And and they understand football at a deeper level most of the time. Uh, And then sometimes you look at teams like this and go, what are you doing so who knows maybe they're clever maybe they, maybe they actually are stupid don't know um but they 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 tried to trade marcus may they seem to be trying to annoy him and i think ashton davis looks like a deep safety you know he was a he was a hurdler right in college um a fantastic sprinter so he's got the range he's got the movement the way the way i saw him was he quite likes contact and he throws himself in as well but he's not a very good tackler he's a he's a high energy wants to tackler not a form tackler um so i i don't see him playing much in the box i, I think he'll probably get a chance to play deep and i would expect you know probably 5 or 600 snaps for both those guys this year and then nash davis to own the role from 2021 let's yeah, stay so on the uh, piece for sure but- Let's stay on the safety topic for one second. And, you know, shout out to Tom for his most recent tweet of, uh, you know, projections this year are going to be bad. Everybody's are just because of the whole COVID thing and the possible opt out. Um, it's going to make it difficult to predict anything. But where has Jamal Adams possibly moved in your ranks just from the just from the trade last week, Tom? You know, I, I've, I've tried to analyze myself whether I like him or not you know, more or less now that he's in Seattle, but you know, where do you kind of see him shaking out? I'm sure he's maybe top five probably still for you. Yeah. I've, well, I've actually got him six or seven at the moment. Um, so, so very near and it's safety, right? The variance on safety is crazy. Um, if anybody's thinking about investing a lot of money in, in Jamal Adams or any other safety, look back at your favorite league and look at the top 12 safeties last year and the year before and the year before that. And you will go, Oh my God, it, it changes so quickly. There's like six guys uh, year to year, every year and, and six new guys. So it's incredible. Now, Jamal Adams is clearly a fantastic player. Um, but he, he doesn't. I don't think he's going to have that role that makes me think he's going to pile up the massive numbers. So I like him. And the way I always talk about safety is you sort of got a tier of five, six, seven, eight players, something like that, who are really good safeties, who you can feel confident are going to finish top 12. And after that, the next tier from about nine down to about 30 is just one group of people. And whoever gets the most lucky interceptions or a big sack here or there or a, or a fumble recovery that goes for a touchdown, something like that are going to look great. So I think Jamal Adams is in that top tier. Um, but he's at the moment down towards the bottom end of it for me. That doesn't mean he can't be the overall top safety by any stretch of imagination, but I'm I'm probably taking the other five or six guys before him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Who was the last Seahawks safety? I know we had obviously Earl Thomas was there, but Chancellor. Has there Damn. been like a has there Damn. been just a stud standout like top five Seahawks safety in like recent memory for IDP? Well, um, McDougal is is sort of underrated, right? Um, he's been underrated his whole um, career. He was really good that year in Tampa, and I think his last year in Tampa he wasn't very good. Can't remember, but off the top of my head, I think he had one down year. Then he went to Seattle, and his first year was really good, but nobody believed in him. And then he's sort of just been, you know, a top twenty four guy, but nobody ever gets excited about Brad McDougal. Mm-hmm. No, I think yeah. he's in a nice situation though now with uh, especially Mosley going down. I mean, yeah. that's probably the biggest winner for me. The one that I'm going to be looking at the most is McDougal mm-hmm. and, and Williamson too. But the the injury gives me a little bit of pause. Yeah, and yes. I know we uh, we do talk. We we do the Jets have proven to be kind of dumb the last few years, but uh, 
well, well, well done on that trade. I mean, getting mm-hmm. two first and, that's right. and uh, another, you know, serviceable safety. That's, that's pretty good. That's like Khalil Mack, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, there's, there's only been a, a handful of guys that have gotten yeah. two first round picks back. So that's yeah, nice. Yeah. Good on them for getting, uh, you know, getting a, a hefty return there. And a non-premium position as well. All the other exactly. guys that have gone for two first rounds have been pass rushers, corners. Yeah. Exactly. And I love that value too, Tom, on Adams, you know, because if you're really looking at it fantasy-wise, Adams was probably a good sale at the end of last year just because obviously no CJ Mosley or Avery, Avery Williamson in front of him. And now you put Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, uh, you know, our upcoming uh, rookie possibly in, uh, I can't even think of his name now, uh, Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. So you put some very good linebackers in front of him this year. Fantasy-wise, maybe, I don't know if he's a good buy right now, but he was a good sale at one point towards the end of last year. I don't yeah. know. How old is Adams? He's still young. Yeah, I think he's 25. I think he's still 25. Yeah, okay. maybe even 24, something like that. Hey, another question too. How old is uh, CJ Mosley? I mean, he's probably up there at this 28. Point. Yeah, I'm 28. That feels like a good bet. Who's going to look yeah. it up? 28 years old. Yep. Wow. Huh? Well, that makes me feel old. (laughs) I got. I'm going to look up his contract too to see because we know that uh, Adam Gates and his infinite wisdom was not uh, a big fan of the Mosley and Le'Veon Bell contract. So (laughs) that's where I was going with that. If they have an easy out after this year, I have to imagine this may be it for CJ Mosley in New York. Jets. The Jets are such a mess. And that's that's something too, Tom. Like you were talking about these. I think it's true that most head coaches and GMs are smart people who understand the sport, but they also have to deal with the relationship side. And that's the side as fans and analysts that we never get to see. Um, You know, there's the implications of that, like Thomas Davis following Ron Rivera to Washington. That's one side of it. Another side of it is sometimes these guys get shipped out the door because they're a pain in the ass and the coach or the GM doesn't want to deal with them anymore. So I think that too is part of the equation that maybe we don't think about is the human element. You'd like to think that they could separate that and just keep it business only. But I don't know. I I don't like working with people who are jerks or who are, you know, distractions or taking away from the overall team. So I get it sometimes. uh, And I think we see that pop up. Adam Gase is a particularly bad, uh, you know, habit of letting his feelings be known for guys that he does not like. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other side of it as well, is that players talk. You know, uh, players all know each other because they move around so fast as well. And uh, some of this is rumor. It's all hearsay. I don't know Adam Gase, but all I've heard from, it, from his four years as, as a head coach is him calling out players and falling out with people. And, and we've had a bunch of players that have gone public and say, I do not want to work with that man. I don't want to be on his team. Get me out of here. Um, and if I was a big uh, big name player and I'm thinking about taking a contract in the Jets I'm going to phone my mates right and from what we know about Gaze those friends are probably going to say think twice don't, about signing for him yeah, yeah. so and he, and he also I don't think he lasts the end of this year yeah I, I hope you're right uh, and he also doesn't put people in you know the best positions it seems like everyone that goes like Le'Veon goes there and he has his worst career you know his worst year of his career uh, mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson wasn't really used properly. Well, and look at the people who have escaped Adam Gase's orbit. We've talked about this before. You see Devontae Parker finally has the breakout. Yeah. Kenyon Drake finally has the breakout. Ryan Tannehill finally has the breakout. All when they got out of the Adam Gase orbit. So I think he's just a black hole for talent. And as much as I am excited <laughs> for some of these Jets pieces like Mims and you know Darnold and Lev Bell to a certain extent and Herndon and all these guys, it's tainted by the fact that Gase is still there. 
And it may be 2021 before we see these assets start to really reach their true potential, unfortunately. Those damn atoms. That's right. They're the worst. I, I think it is good news <laughs> for whoever takes over, though. Um, so my, my personal theory for head coaches is is the owners tend to go for the opposite. So they hired um, Adam Gase. Um, uh, so go back to the previous coach, right? You've got Todd Bowles, um, an old, grizzled, defensive veteran. So they canned him, and they basically go for the opposites. They go, we need a young guy who is an offensive uh, coach, and we'll get him in. And once they get rid of Gase, because they realize he can't run a good offense, um, then they're going to go, right, I need a veteran who's really got the respects of the league, and it's going to be an old defensive guy, and it's going to be John Fox or Wade Phillips or someone like that takes over the Jets, and that will go horribly wrong as well. Yeah, it's, it really is a pendulum. It swings from offense or, you know, older defensive grizz. It seems like all the defensive coaches have to wait longer. They have to be the old grizzled guys like Vic Fangio to get their head coaching opportunity. Um, Chuck Pagano, another example. But yeah, it's always the young, sexy offensive hire, right? And it does. It tends to swing the pendulum back and forth with every hire. Or you see these kind of like uh, the the kind of outlier is like the Matt Rule college coach coming to the NFL and they're hoping to, you know, kind of um, mix things up, revitalize, take it in a totally fresh direction, see how it goes. That's, that's one team I'm very interested in uh, with no preseason, no real, no real game contact until we get into week one. That's a whole new team. Ton of rookies on uh, rookies on defense. That will be interesting. Yes. So it'll be a fun Uh, team to watch. I don't think it'll be a very good team. I, I agree with you. I I didn't watch a lot of the Panthers last year um, because I, I couldn't stand watching the offensive side of it. But when I, I went back and studied the defense, I didn't realize quite how bad they were at stopping the run. Um, and it's the modern NFL, right? And who cares about stopping the run? It's sort of a secondary thing um, because you, you win through the air. And you look at the Panthers from last year and go, oh my God, it totally dive-bombed the whole defense. They just couldn't do anything because they were getting run over um, between the tackles. So back in the draft, I was shocked when they they picked, um, what's his name, big nose tackle. They, uh, Derek Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Derek Brown. Yeah. All I can think of was Derek Henry because they're basically <laughs> the same shape. Um, anyway, I, I was surprised by that. I thought Isaiah Simmons made a ton of sense after Keekly um, retired. But then I went back through it and I was thinking, I, uh, maybe I, I don't think that, you know, we're, we sucked against the, t- um, the run. We'll get a big nose tackle in. But I, I can see what they did. And if you look at all their draft picks, they, I think they've understood they could not do the basic foundation of defensive football. And they said, let's try and fix that there. And, and then we'll build on that. Whether that happens or not, interesting to watch. Yeah, the offense, I think, will be exciting. It'll be fun. Matt Rule, you know, innovative college coach, really good at building the culture, which I think is the big thing that you, David Tepper, the owner, wants to see there. But clearly, they, they, they kind of examined the landscape of that team and said, we've got to completely rebuild this defense uh, from the ground up. I mean, all seven picks on the defensive side of the ball, no... No questioning what their plan is for rebuilding this team. Passed so. on the uh, double M, but got the double N. Hold on, what? <laughs> Passed on Simmons and got Chin. Oh, man. <laughs> there you go, Adam. We were talking about uh, the That's, that's what you're, you're going to get at the big three IDP. <laughs> <laughs> good Lord. Only here. That Only was here. That was good. Thank I'm you. proud of you, Addy. Uh, proper I can, I can, Kentucky skills there. Yeah, I, I can see the wheels. <laughs> I'll tell turning. you who's going to turn the Panthers defense around. F.A. Abada, London's own F.A. Abada. That's uh, right. Big fan. Lovely Let's guy. Go. Let's um, go. I really want him to get a chance. Yeah, I loved it. His uh, his story on All or Nothing, the season with the Panthers, was a lot of fun mm-hmm. to watch. 
Yeah, I watched yeah, it amazing the amazing guy. And, uh, that's a gr- that was a great show. I love the uh, I love the Keekly stuff in there. You know, the young Shaq Thompson, the the teaching that that Keekly did with Shaq Thompson, especially on the field, was uh, pretty fun to watch. And now it's obviously Shaq's team. So, man, I'm buying high on Shaq this year. I don't know whether that's yeah. smart or not, Tom, but hey, I'm a believer. A lot of tackles missed there. <laughs> yeah, you lose Eric Reed, yeah, Luke Keekly. I mean, somebody's got to make the tackles. I mean, it doesn't look great, does it? You, there's a fair amount of talent on the line. You know, K1 Shorts there. Uh, still, mm-hmm. everyone's sort of forgotten how good he was, Derek Brown. We already talked about uh, the edge is sort of deep. I, I don't think there's a complete player there, but there's a lot of talent. And then you get past Shaq Thompson, you go, to hear yes. Whitehead, Jermaine Carter. I, I see very little at corner. Jeremy Chin, mm-hmm. yeah, he's exciting. I like him, but uh, Trey Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Boston, everyone thinks he's great because he's got long dreads. Right. And, and the holy True. grail of thinking defensive players good. If you get drafted in the first round, if you've got a cool name and if you've got dreads, if you throw a visor in there, the just ticket him for the He's, Hall of Fame if he threw a visor. Checking in there. a lot of boxes for me, Tom. I know, the tattoos, <laughs> the name, the dreads. The, he's got the drip, as we like to say. Sure. So uh, let's let's get let's kind of zoom out here. I love I love obviously the the player takes here, but let's talk about the implications of this season and coronavirus, Tom. And we mentioned all these guys opting out, and we really have no idea what's going to happen as we get more and more involved in kind of the contact part of the sport. But as a football fan, how do you deal with the fact that your favorite sport is proceeding forward? Despite this real and present threat that is making professional athletes, this is their job, this is what they love to do, it's making them choose to stay away from the game. How do you like deal with that as a fan? Yeah, there's a moral aspect to this, isn't there? And we're sort of used to it given concussions in particular and the injury effects on people. But as a fan, I... I, I'm, I'm selfishly quite happy because it is such a long off season and it's hard. And someone that really loves football, we get excited every year. Football's coming back and there is sort of things happening, sort of. Um, so I think that's great. But if it was me, if it was my family involved, you know, if my best buddy was an NFL player and he was phoning me up and saying, I'm not sure what to do, what do you think? I'd probably say, is it, is it really worth the risk to, to go and do that? I'm not sure it is. Um, so we're in tough times. Uh, I, I tend to try and disassociate myself from that, but you know, that's only so you can get through it. I'm, I'm doing a thing at the moment on, on sort of how sport is changing for my day job. Um, and there's a lot of studies going around at the moment in, in psychological and psychiatric space that say hobbies um, are brilliant for people's well-being. You know, they just make themselves feel better. There's a big argument about whether people with hobbies are happier or whether hobbies make people happier. And I don't know, but sport either way comes up huge on that one. And people that do like sport and have a sport to follow, there's a big difference from when everything was shut down a couple of months ago. And then, you know, over here in Europe, obviously we have soccer. Uh, it's a bit bigger and it's back and things happening. The FA Cup final happened today. Boo, Arsenal won it. Dirty gooners. Um, but it <laughs> makes people happy. Um, I, I sort of thought that sport was going to come back and people would get really excited about it. And then it would fade because it was pretty much football every day. And it felt like too much and it wasn't special. But no, interest stayed really high and, and people are just excited. And I think it did fill a massive hole. So two ways you can do it is either on an individual level, I totally see massive problems with, with football and people are going to get ill, people are going to get sick. Um, and then people who are not professional football players will probably get ill off the back of that. And that's a problem. On the other hand, there's an awful lot of people who will 
find their tough circumstances, a lot of people lost their job and are, and are struggling, um, who will be made a little bit happier by football. So I, I don't know. I can't say yes or no. I, I just think it's a seriously tough situation for everybody. It's a true kind of like moral quandary of like, you, I don't think there's a right answer because there is such societal benefit to sports. And there's also benefit to the athletes and the coaches, you know, to get out there. Imagine not being able to do the job that you love because of this whole thing. That would suck. That'd take a huge personal toll on you. Um, the thing that I think we may have talked about a little bit with Sigmund Bloom or, or one of the other uh, podcasts that we did. What is going to happen when the first coach, I think it will probably be a coach just because coaches are older. They don't tend to take care of themselves as well. They're at a little higher risk. But what happens when the first coach or player goes on a ventilator? What are we going to do? What is what is our collective NFL you know fandom? What what's our reaction going to be? We don't we don't have to answer that question right now because we're not at that place yet. But that's I think going to be the turning point for whether we get through the season. Will be what is the reaction like when that happens? Because I hope it doesn't happen. But it just seems very likely, given how many people are involved with the NFL, that it will. So we'll see. So some sticky kind of moral issues to deal with. But what about fantasy? How is this impacting? Let's talk fantasy. All this hard stuff we, we don't have to soldier through right now. The fantasy implications. How is this affecting your 2020 strategy, Tom? The more I think about this, the the more I, I think it, it sort of fate. Oh, favors the way I play anyway, because the way I build my teams is deep. Um, I'm a big believer in anti-fragility and, and depth and all that sort of stuff. So my starting point is that players don't stay healthy. You know, all players get hurt. Um, the average is missing somewhere between two and four games a year, something like that. And and if you do have a guy, you know, some running back that stays healthy for 16 games, then brilliant. It, it's worked out really well for you. You've got lucky and that's happened. But I don't think you can rely on that this year as much as you normally do, because you've got the normal injury risk and you've also got, as soon as you get a positive test and that's going to happen, we've talked about that to a bunch of players, you're out for three weeks. So you're gone. So we're going to see far more backups play uh, and the, the general quality is going to be lower. So the, the thing that I think is most important this year, actually two things, sorry. Um, one, build your rosters with a lot of depth. Um, I don't want studs and duds team. I, I don't want nobody there because I've got Christian McCaffrey and he's going to carry me to a title because Christian McCaffrey is probably going to miss three or four games this year and they might come at really bad times or more or who knows. Bad example, but you know, any given player is probably going to miss more. And, and after that, it's just watching the waiver wire. So the, the thing that I do most in season is just track playing time. Because playing time for defensive players is the biggest indicator by far of quality and production anything else. Um, it's ridiculously better than anything else. So I, I do that. And even on the offensive side as well, it's fantastic for running backs. I think I think it's number two indicator for running backs. Um, it snaps above touches. It's so indicative. It's untrue. Um, the same thing for quarterback is really true. It's less true for tight end wide receiver. Um, but I will be glued to snaps every week working out who's changed and who's on the field and who's not and trying to make decisions based on that because I, I think whoever wins the league this year is going to be the best person at making waiver moves um, and the best person at minimizing zero weeks because zero weeks is just going to kill you this year and there's going to be more than ever. In, in IDP, we used to that anyway because we you know we're starting 20 25 players or whatever a week um and that can go horribly wrong but it's going to go badly wrong this year so you're gonna have to be paying attention every tuesday yeah absolutely and that's there's two big takeaways i've had and this is this is not my original take here but something i've tried to been thinking about is number one i think save your fab like if you have a free agent budget save it 
don't go blowing $50 on the week one running back that pops. <clears throat> Try to save that money because you're going to need it later in the season. We have an auction draft, Tom, on the RSO platform. And, you know, we have a, it's a salary cap league. And so I'm sitting here trying to formulate my auction strategy of should I spend all my available salary cap or should I maybe get a couple guys and keep about 20 million in the bank to be able to grab these guys off waivers? I mean, these are the questions that you need to be asking yourself. And then um, I've heard it said elsewhere as well. Um, these, th- this whole environment is going to favor teams with continuity. So if I'm looking at, and I'm not using it necessarily as like my number one thing I'm looking at as far as criteria, but I'm definitely looking at it as something that's worth tracking and definitely as a tiebreaker if I'm deciding between two players. I want guys on teams that have continuity with coaching staff, with quarterback, because I think those are going to be the teams that are going to be the least affected by no training camp, no preseason. I mean, September is going to look like not even the preseason. It's going to look like training camp. I mean, we're going to have guys (laughs) popping hammies. We're going to have really poor play. We're going to have terrible officiating. So, yeah, I'm trying to shoot for continuity and keep those fab dollars available. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a really good point. You know which defense scares me? The um, the Lions. Because the Lions have made quite a few changes from a really bad team. So it's not like the continuity they had was working. It was going badly. Um, they were a, a bottom three defense last year. And, and they've totally changed the secondary. Um, and they've made some big changes on the defensive line as well. So I, I think that could be pretty bad. The offense might be really good. So who knows? Maybe Matt Patricia keeps his job and it works out. But oh, I think it's going to be a rough defense. I think so too. Bobby, what about you? Yeah, you know, I play fantasy baseball. I did it this year for the first time in the last five years and a weekend. And I'm like, man, this is a massive mistake. But (laughs) the thing that I have learned, the thing that I have learned a weekend is basically that um, I think I want the least amount of players on the same team. You know, so I've got several uh, Philadelphia Phillies right now. I've got several um, uh, Miami Marlins. And all of them are basically postponed for a week or two, or, you know, they just bust 20 of the Miami Marlins back to Miami from like somewhere up north, uh, 20 people who actually have an active, you know, positive case right now. So um, I agree with Tom. Depth is going to be super, super important this year, but I don't think necessarily that it means that you want uh, Avery Williamson and Blake Cashman. You might want Avery Williamson and Jelani Tavai, or yeah, I, I'm going to spread my depth. I'm going to I'm going to try to uh, diversify my assets as far as different teams, um, you know, go as I can. And I think I, don't, I think this is kind of what maybe Tom is getting back at with the uh, snap count. But you know, this might be the year that actual. Um, playing skill, um, talent matters maybe the least. Uh, and opportunity and snaps uh, matter way, way more. Um, obviously, a CMC is going to be super valuable to have. You know, if you can get a uh, you know Darius Leonard, that's going to be you know pretty pretty primo. But um, you're going to have a bunch of these trashy, just uh, Blake Martinez, you know, snap getters that are going to get 12, 14 tackles a game, and you know it might be an ugly win for you that week. But agree with Tom, you know, try to minimize as many zeros as you can, and just get ready for a lot of those hold your nose and stardom type players. I mean, I'm, we're going to be we're going to have guys winning. Yep championships in week 16 with Trent Richardson starting for like the Las Vegas Raiders or something insane. um, 
I know you boys are telling me to save uh, save my fab. I, I won DeAndre Washington for about two hundred dollars this morning. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think he he may be relevant at some point. I'm I hoping think, I need him to be. Yeah, you need him at this point to pay off that investment for sure. So um, we yeah. talked about the Jets before, right? And I think a, a good way of thinking about it is the Jets linebackers last year. Um, and we talked about four or five different players there. Remember there was a couple of weeks where Brandon Copeland had to play inside linebacker for the yeah. Jets? And that really sort of good. thing is going to happen this year. Um, or the Jags are a good example. They, they started off and, and cycled through like seven different linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually Donald Payne sort of ended up the guy at the end of the year. But I agree with you. I mean, you made a really good point there that the hold your nose I think you're going to have to be making those gambles where you go, it looked like this guy got hurt last week and, and this fella's next. So I'll, I'll get him in and I'll start him. But it's a big gap. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're going to be wrong on a lot of them. You just need to be right more than your opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a year that's going to favor teams, again, with continuity and with um, you know really good leadership that can kind of push through the obstacles in the way to having a successful season. It's going to be the same way for fantasy too. whoever is like plugged in doing their homework. I think the, the casuals are going to get absolutely massacred this year yeah. in all their like redraft leagues and stuff. Yeah. At the, at the beginning, we pumped Great. up, we pumped up Williamson and Cashman and Hewitt. It's, it's going to be Burgess and, um, I mean, ever just know the depth charts. This is a great year to not go like real shallow with your depth chart analysis, like dig into those practice yeah. squad guys. Those are going to be, the guys come week eight or nine, you're going to need to know about. So good year, good year to stay flexible, stay water and just uh, take the punches as they come. Tom, one thing that I've really gotten a lot of uh, benefit from over the past few years, we've done our main IDP league is that you do uh, in the past, you've done an IDP projection series. And then at the end of the year, at the end of the season, you've gone back and checked your predictions to see how you did. So I'm just curious what kind of enduring lessons have you taken away from that exercise and, and how have you applied those lessons to make you better at fantasy football? <laughs> I, well, the first question is easier to answer it. It made me humble. Um, that's the first thing. Absolutely. Because we are wrong a lot, especially in the defensive world, right? In, in offense, you're, you're projecting half the number of players. We're, just, we're doing twice as many defenders anyway. So the opportunities for you to mess things up are way bigger. Um, and I think, one of the problems in the IDP world is is we sort of we give ourselves easy ticks. You know, people go, I, I said this guy was going to be a top thirty six linebacker, and he was top forty eight. So I was right on him. That was a hit. And you go, mm, is that useful analysis? Has it helped anyone? So yeah, you're kind of stretching yeah. that. Yeah, I'm. Not, you got to you got to try and be honest, right? And and see how close you actually were. And and if you was you know, vaguely startable and you sort of liked him, that was good. The whole idea of I like him or I don't like him is just terrible. Um, that, that shouldn't be how we analyze players because you've got 40 linebackers a, a week who are probably relevant for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's taught me a lot. Um, it's taught me humility and it's taught me honesty, but mostly it sort of told me which things are useful t- for predicting year to year and which ones are not. So when I first started, I used to use sacks. Um, you know, you had 15 sacks last year, so you'll probably have 15 sacks next year. And it's just not true. Uh, I used to be wrong quite a lot. Uh, oh, I, I was wrong on, I never saw the dark horses coming. So historically, I've been pretty bad at predicting the guys that get over, let's say, 13, 14 sacks, something like that. I mean, it's hard to see them coming anyway, because by definition, they are they are 
Black Swan events. Yeah. Um, but I, I was particularly wrong with them. And once I shifted from from using sax to model to pressures, I got much better, much better. Because pressures is just way more indicative. The percentage of pressures that people convert into sax is so variable and it's so wrong. And the easiest way to correct an IDP, in my humble opinion, is you look at guys that had a lot of sax and not a lot of pressures or a lot of pressures and not a lot of sax and assume it's going to regress. So last year, the example was, um, what's his name? Kyla Fackrell. You remember him in Green Bay in 2018? I, from memory, he had something like 24 pressures and 11 sacks. Um, and the average is, you know, maybe 20%, something like that. So one in five. And he was like 45%. So obviously it didn't work. Um, and he got nowhere near it last year. His pressure was probably about the same, but he didn't get it. Um, and then you can do it the other way and you can find lots of people who had a lot of pressure. So good example from last year is Olivier Vernon. I, th- I think he got hurt in week nine. And at the time he had something like 33, 35 pressures. And he was top 10 in the NFL, something like that amongst edge players. Check my numbers. I'm probably wrong. Um, but he added like two sacks. So nobody thought Olivier Vernon was good. And this year, everyone's like, oh, they might sack, uh, they might cut him because he's earning loads of money. I like Vernon this year. I think he's going to come back and then be good. So I think that is a, a really, really easy way to, to make wins. Yeah, it After seems that, like... I'd probably go for distribution. Yeah. Sorry, go on, buddy. No, I was just going to say, Adam, that's one thing you've been talking about a lot this offseason is pressure because sacks is it's kind of a lucky statistic. It's right. did the quarterback maybe turn right into the sack or did he was he, you know, mobile and able to escape and you did everything you could, but you just didn't record that that right. stat. But pressure is, I think, more indicative of pure performance on the defensive player. The problem with with me was just finding, you know, sites that carried these stats. So, I mean. Pro Football Reference has them, but they're way different than what PFF has. Um, so it, yeah. it's just it's just finding the right sources. So that's kind of been a big Eureka thing for me. I've I've gotten a, a PFF sub, and and that's uh, kind of opened up a lot of doors. But yeah, pressures, snaps, those are the things you, sh- you should be paying attention to. Yep, two big things. Tom, uh, you were talking about uh, yeah distribution as well. I think was the next thing you were going to bring up there. <laughs> Yeah, but I, let's go back to snaps because uh, I, I think snaps are the most important thing. So I I was lucky enough to see this, <laughs> this amazing German um, scientist last year, uh, again, for a day job thing. And he was amazing. He was talking about heuristics. And heuristics was sort of a word I sort of knew about. And if you'd asked me what they meant, I probably would have pretended I knew what it meant, but I didn't. Um, anyway, I think it's super relevant. So heuristics is basically the concept of rule of thumb um, rules that we sort of learned. So the the classic example is, you know, when there's a baseball in the air and you're running towards it to try and catch it, right? Now, theoretically, the calculation you'd have to do is how fast is the ball moving? How far away I am? How how far am I running? What is the air resistance? All that sort of stuff to work out where to be in the right place to catch it. Of course, we don't do that because we're stupid. We can't do any of that. What we do when you run towards a ball that's falling, if you run towards it and keep the angle of you facing the ball at the same angle, then you know you'll reach the floor at the same time. So you use this dirty little rule of thumb to make sure you get there. And there's all sorts of examples we we use all the time, which are just quick, easy rule of thumbs that are mostly fine. And snaps is by far the best one. So the fancy world, we tend to look at millions of, of you know stats and super deep, and we argue about whether yards per route run, routes run uh, is better than racer or all sorts of stuff. But actually, just look at how much players are playing, and you can make really, really good uh, basis on that. So I think that's that's by far the most important thing. And just look last year, and you, you can see how much players play. Um, and I, I don't worry about percentage. I sort of ignore percentage because it's easy to be a low percentage and a high snap team and play more snaps than a, than a 
100% on a low snap team. That happens all the time. Um, just just go for players who are probably going to play a lot. Yeah, look at the Cardinals. I mean, Buda Baker, um, who's the... Who's the uh, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks and Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. All three of them, I think, were like the top of their position. Right, uh, Buda Baker led the NFL in solo tackles last year. You know, a five foot nine safety <laughs> led the NFL. That's an amazing number. Yeah, and Jordan Hicks, historically injured in Philadelphia, plays one hundred percent of snaps. I mean, who you talk about things that you can't see coming? You know, in uh, predicting the dark horse, uh, you know, guys that are going to get double digit sacks. Shaq Barrett, anyone? I mean, who before right. this year? I don't even think Shaq Barrett's parents would have said no that my, my baby's going to get double digit sacks no way <laughs> it's just not going to happen but look uh, at him going now um so the nfl 100 or top 100 or whichever version it was came out this week and people are going oh shouldn't shaq barrett be in there and uh, no he had one good year um and <laughs> right. he, he had a fair amount of pressure to be fair to him but d ford before him d ford had that year where he you know rushed the passer 600 times and everyone suddenly went oh d ford's amazing now um and i'm i'm not sure that's true it's played a lot now it's useful for us because in the idp world you profit off that and it's sort of the same thing um but you need to understand where it's different otherwise you can't make sensible decisions yeah and Shaq barrett was like top 40 on that list I did, think did he make the list? Yes, the top he 100? was like ahead of some like some serious push, uh, pass rushers. Like it was, he was. I think he was like thirty two. I think that I seems know. very high. He's crazy. So JJ well, Watt's a good example. Um, last year JJ Watt's pressure was really good, but I, he had what four, five sacks, something like that. Um, and there's so many takes out there that JJ Watt's old and he's passed it and he's fallen away. I bet you he's good this year. Yep. Yeah, I'm he had. You. He only had. He had 16 sacks in 2018 and four in 2019. Yeah, but he was up there in pressures. He still had like 50 plus pressures, I believe. So, and yeah. that was only in eight games. Yeah, yeah, because so. yeah. he was hurt. I mean, so look, this is why we do it, right? The nerds like us sort of pour over this stuff so you can recite these numbers. And, and there's probably people at home going, well, "Why are you spending that time on it?" Because you need to make snap decisions when the draft's on. You need yeah. to remember all that stuff because that's going to be in, um, important going forward. Mm-hmm. and we're just nerds and we like it. <laughs> that's right. It's fun to dig into. I think that's, you know, we we did an episode with um, the editor-in-chief of the Fantasy Footballers, and that's why, uh, Kyle, we were talking to him about why should he play IDP, and he did. He took the he took the leap. We're very excited. He's in our, one of our listener leagues, and that's what we told him is, do you love digging into the nerdy stats on the offensive side of the ball? Well, guess what? Now you get to double that and you get to unpack a whole new treasure chest of stats that are nerdy that you get to dig into. So it doesn't take away your enjoyment of digging into these like deep, deep offensive sleepers. You just get twice as much now. It's great. It's a good way of putting it. And, you know, you've you've had the same conversation as I have probably a million times more about, you know, IDP. And it's still treated as a weird splinter niche. And it shouldn't be. I, I, I just think the way sticky talks about it is if you invented fantasy football today with all the data and all the information you've got of course you'd you'd use every player on the field you would do um because it's supposed to represent football not just football who carry the ball um but it's still seen as a weird little way forward and you you listen to offense um podcasts and they sort of they talk about every player on this team like that is only skill positions and they don't talk even talk about offensive line that that seems weird yeah 
Speaking ahead, of the Bobby. speaking of the nerdy side of IDP, I have enjoyed Tom your uh, uh, your little film sessions and your photographs of like backfields to see you know where people are actually lining up, you know when the safeties are dropping down into the box, you know where the ends are actually playing, whether they're standing up or not. So you know that's a little mini question. What have you learned? I don't know that you've ever done that as far <laughs> as that much in depth in an off season, but what have you learned from doing stuff like that? Well, look, here's a glimpse into my life. And thank you, by the way. Um, so most of my football happens when, when I'm working in the office, I commute to work, right? Um, and certainly my old job, I used to spend two hours on an air-conditioned train with a desk every day. So I'd write wow. loads of football. But now you can see my office here. I'm, I'm sitting in the office and I spend a lot of the time with the screen that you're on now mm-hmm. with conference calls happening. I'm sort of talking about day jobs and being very mm-hmm. important. And the other one... I've got game parts on and I'm taking photos <laughs> of it. <laughs> so so you sort of cover the content that you can do using your life, right? Um so so the way I look at football, it tends to be more analytical um and based on numbers rather than that. But you know, like anybody in our particular hobby, we spend a lot of time watching football. Um, but because I didn't grow up with it, and maybe it's just you know my own personal deficiency or whatever, I'm not very good at decoding football in real time. I, I can watch the game and I watch certain players doing things on certain games and try and see certain players, but I can't look at a, a play and go, well, this is exactly what happened and, and this was who was where. I have to look back and, and check later. And I find whenever I do that, I, I actually realize that even though we talk about players doing one job and we talk about starting lineups and that sort of thing, actually players move around on defense in particular a lot more than we think, like way, way, way more than we think. Safeties in particular, is, it's still the the most exciting position on the football field for me because it's fundamentally flexible. Um, We call it safety because we think, you know, safety lining up deep. And there is a difference between players who are called safeties and the actual position of lining up as deep safety. And that that gets quite confusing. Um, But they're moving around all over the place. The other one, we'll get into this, and and I'm sure you can tell me why I'm wrong. The whole Mike and Will and Sam thing uh, just seems like an anachronism to me. It hasn't it hasn't really described how players line up for 15 years. So it feels weird we do it. Um, so uh, Greg Williams. Greg Williams is a good example. Uh, um, and that press conference he did when he took over as the Jets, uh, people said, you're going to run a 3-4 and a 4-3. And he went, um, I'm sort of both. Not really. I don't know. Because he he doesn't look at his his defense as 11 players. He looks at his, I've got heavy package and this uh, all these different packages, like 20 different words for personnel that he calls. And you can see it when you watch football. The classic example is um, the Patriots versus Seahawks uh, uh, Super Bowl. And you can see all the coaches uh, signaling for the, the different plays but just before the Malcolm Butler uh, play went in. Uh, and they think about 20 different packages and that personnel thing and who they line up, not 11 different players and what they do and who's the mic or who's the will. So I, I think... I don't know this because I'm not close to football and you probably are, are way closer to high school and college and NFL teams and know far more about it than I do. Um, but I, I think we think about it in the wrong way. I think we think about it in terms of who are those 11 players and what is their job in that ideal base defense. And I don't think that's really representative of how defenses are put together. Well, that that have, didn't really answer your question. Sorry. I have an answer for you on this, Tom. And I it sounds really silly, but I know this is true for me. And I bet you it's true for a lot of other football fans as well. It's Madden. It's how we have played Madden. That's how you construct your rosters, right? You have each position group and there's like 11 of them and you slot them all in there. And that's how we think about football. And you mentioned the Mike and the Will and the Sam, you know, that is that's and hasn't been relevant, relevant for 15 years. 
But you mentioned earlier too, offensive fantasy football. That's because that's how it started. It gets dug in, it gets entrenched, it gets institutionalized to where that is what fantasy football is. Linebackers, when you describe them, it's Mike, Will, and Sam. Even if that's not the way it is anymore, it's just that's the way that uh, the kind of new entrant or casual fan thinks about it. And we just haven't been able to, you know, push them towards this more complex view of what reality is. It is fascinating stuff. So um, when I was learning Madden, and this is probably, uh, we're going back to 2000, 2002, somewhere like that. And I was yep. sitting there in my student bedroom um, with a, a, a bed that was just a mattress on the floor trying to teach myself Madden. <laughs> and I was looking at my, my depth chart and, and my four linebackers, I was running a 3-4. I didn't even know what that was at the time. Um, and it had LOLB and ROLB and LILB and RILB. I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> yep. and, and I couldn't even Google them because you know, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a phone with the internet. Um, and I was trying to work out what they meant. And I just had no idea. And you're right. Uh, that probably that probably formed a lot of opinions. So we talk about safeties, right? And everyone talks about safeties and, and, and you're either a strong safety or a free safety. And mm-hmm. there's so many teams that just don't do that. So the Raiders is a classic example. Paul Gunter is um, the coordinator who all those years in Cincinnati delivered terrible uh, safeties because none of them played in the box. They, they just moved all around. And then they, they drafted John Abram last year and everyone went, oh, he's a box banger. And, and we talked about it at the time. Um, I'm not sure he is a good fit for that scheme. I mean, yes, they're far smarter people than me. I'm sure they've got way more plans for it. It's not like they didn't realize this, but he is a box safety that plays in a too deep um, safety scheme. And that's a problem for me. It's certainly a red flag from uh, from an IDP point of view. You go, do I want to invest in this guy that might work out, might not, don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it depends on where you're taking them. Uh, we've we've mentioned a few uh, things here, Tom. Getting into our next question about um, you know popular fantasy football opinions. This is hot take season. Everyone's trying to like stir the pot and get the follows up and get the eyeballs on their stuff. Is there a fantasy football take out there that you've seen popular, maybe more you know kind of? Uh, you know, kind of smaller under the radar take that's gaining popularity. Is there just something out there that you flat out disagree with? I, I really want to fight on a few of these. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to say two different things. And one of them is a throwaway. So one of them is this idea that um, the offense and defense is sort of a seesaw. And if you have good offense, then your defense will play less uh, and vice versa. That's just wrong. There is no link between offensive snaps and defensive snaps. You can easily be high volume on both. You can easily be low volume on both. Chargers last year were bottom in the league in total snaps, um, and they were low uh, low pace on both those. Um, so I think that's wrong. Let's talk about that in a sec. But the other one is rookie cornerbacks, um, which I always come back to. And rookie cornerbacks is fascinating. So certainly when I came into IDP, I mean, my, my first ever superstar in IDP in the late 90s uh, was Dwayne Washington, um, who was sort of a cornerback safety hybrid. Um, and he piled up the tackles, right? He wasn't even a rookie, but whatever. People are convinced that you get rookie cornerbacks. And I, I just think it's wrong. I, I think it's confirmation bias because you look at cornerbacks, top 12, top 24 rookie uh, every year, and you go, well, in the, in the top 12, there's probably three or four rookies. And in the top 24, there's probably six or eight. So rookie cornerbacks tend to score well. Actually, it's just indicative of... of how many rookies are playing because uh, the NFL rinses um, young cornerbacks. They get through so many on a first contract and then just let them go um, because cornerbacks, well, uh, my, my outtake for this, I don't know this. My, my logical conclusion is 
cornerbacks are pretty good when they're 23 and 24 because you can get a fast guy in who can sort of cover people. And actually, the amount you've got to pay some bloke who's 26 uh, who wants a big fat contract is probably not worth just getting another guy in for 200 grand a year uh, that you can pick up as a UDFA. Anyway, bit of assumption there, but rookie cornerbacks on a personal basis, I do not believe are massively more effective. Tell me if you disagree, because a lot of people in the IDP still do. I just no, hear, I just yeah, hear yeah. him saying that the uh, Rams don't need to pay Jalen Ramsey. Thank you. Here. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. Hello, Jalen Ramsey. It's like, <laughs> and it sucks. It's kind of like the running back equivalent for the defense of the NFL is just going to cycle through these guys. And it kind of sucks if you're a cornerback, because by the time you figure out how to play your position, you are at a point where you're a replaceable or your speed and your physical skills have diminished enough to where these speedy wide receivers are passing you by. So yeah, we'll just go get another fast rookie and plug in here for the league minimum salary. It's still worth investing in elite corners sometimes. You know, if you have got a uh, Stefan Gilmore, right? So <laughs> we talk about coaches and GMs who are clever. Uh, Bill Belichick has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know today let alone the rest of his life. Uh, and he thought Stefan Gilmore was worth all that money. And he was right. Um, I, I don't think he was MVP or defensive player of the year last year, but he was clearly brilliant. It was best defense in the league. So you can get it right. The worry is you can easily get it wrong. We, we can all think of examples where a cornerback has paid, been paid big money and never been close to worth it as well. So I, I think there is an elite core of cornerbacks who are clearly worth paying a huge amount of money. And there's a load of guys who are replaceable. And I, I don't think there's as many guys in the middle as there are in other positions. Yeah. The yeah. key is just to draft them, you know, when they're rookies and, and yep. you know, hope that they're Take elite immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Easy enough. The thing this year. So 2020 is going to be really difficult for cornerback. Uh, so in, in more one shot positions, then you sort of get a guy and you've got someone ready to step up if he gets hurt. And cornerback, when you're, you're often using four or five every single week, and then a, a couple of them get COVID and are out for three weeks, that's going to be a massive change to your defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just see this year being a lot of Greg Ward's being called up. <laughs> You know, the the Eagles wide receiving core from 2019 is basically what 2020 is going to be that's like for both sides of the ball. Look like. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's scary. Yeah, Boston Scott and Greg Ward, your it's two gonna leading be, skill position players. It's, it's going to be 16 weeks of the preseason is what it's going to be. That sounds like and fun. Then, yeah, do you remember Miami? Oh, obviously, you remember Miami last year, but in particular, their defensive backs. Um, it is laughable. So uh, here's, here's my quiz question. How many different cornerbacks did the uh, did the Dolphins give defensive snaps to last year? Oh, oh wow. Geez. Just a uh, number of cornerbacks. Oh, man. Uh, Ten? Yeah, probably. Fourteen. They oh, 14 my. different cornerbacks. Wow. So I uh, listen audio the worst thing, but let's go through them. So Eric Rowe, Xavier uh, Howard, Jamal uh, Wilkes. Chris Lamons, who the hell is he? Uh, Xavier Crawford, Nick Needham, people think he's good. Marcus Sherrills, uh, Johnson Badamosi, Ryan Lewis, Ken Crawley, Tay Hayes, who? Lyndon Stevens, Nate Brooks, <laughs> Ken Webster. I mean, I, look, I've, I've talked about these and written Fun about these fact, guys, and I've never Tom made half those guys up. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, who's Tay Hayes? He played 107 snaps in the last two games of the Dolphin season. He just snuck so in I, off, he snuck in off the, out of the crowd. They just like threw a jersey on him and snuck him in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I believe there was anybody in the Dolphins crowd last year, I could see yes. that happening. But it was empty. So I think we're going to see a lot of teams end up with situations like that and cornerback in particular, where you're just having to find new guys every week. Um, and then the opposite of that was, I think the Bears last year um, basically had, had no one hurt for the whole year. Yeah, let's check. Uh, they only used um, six different cornerbacks and three wow. of those guys played less than about 100 snaps. Wow. Um, so that's what you want. Obviously, continuity is fantastic. You look at all the great defenses, the Patriots last year, the Jags from two years ago. Everyone was healthy all, all year long. Um, mm-hmm. If uh, The Bears the year before. Um but I just think we're not going to see that. And, and possibly the, the biggest risk-reward place on defense is cornerback, right? Your, your star pass rusher is out, fine. You you lose out on maybe three or four pressures a week and maybe a sack or two. You, you lose your, your good cornerback and your third cornerback's out and you've got to start some street guy. You might give up two long touchdowns. That's a, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Bobby... Before we move to the next question, should the Rams lock up uh, Jalen Ramsey long term? <laughs> um, you no, guys have five million dollars in cap yeah, space right now. I don't think you can. I think to uh, you know a little bit of a hot take might be that Aaron Donald might not be on the Rams forever. Um, you know, there's, you you obviously when you have cap problems, you look at the biggest problem first, and the biggest problem is probably Aaron Donald, maybe Jared Goff second. Um, Aaron Donald is getting up there a bit in age. There's a lot of teams that would probably love to have him. I don't know. I I I, I don't see Aaron Donald maybe finishing on the Rams in 2020, 2021, possibly. Um, uh, but no, the answer to that question is don't pay Jalen Ramsey. I know you gave a first to get him. You got a half of a year out of him, but it's just what a terribly run. Uh. Uh, organization right now. Hey, what does Aaron Donald fetch? Uh, Jamal Adams just got two first. What's Aaron Donald getting? Man, could six, he get six first? Could he get three first? <laughs> like, I think that could happen. Absolutely. Hey, Bobby, you guys could cut him this offseason for a cool 60.8 million in dead cap hmm. i mean that wow. sounds feasible right i mean if there's a year to just go ahead and bite the bullet and do it why would just 2020 not be that year just rip the band-aid off and it <laughs> takes yeah all your skin with it as well so um let's that uh Rams defense looks i mean tom, tom, tom we're not gonna get on from? this topic we're gonna move on John. <laughs> sorry <laughs> when, no, you're, when your best edge rusher is leonard floyd that is worrying hey it's amen that, those linebackers, my God. How I mean, do you take Cam Akers with your first pick in the draft? Guys, guys. If, if, if you have a committee backfield. <laughs> yeah, they're they're four deep. John Kelly just got woken up off the park bench where he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part of this week was just that John Kelly was like, wait a minute, I'm relevant again, guys. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Just got a phone call. Just woke up on a couch somewhere. Um, awesome. So, um, yeah, let's let's actually dig into some players now, Tom. We've talked sort of like a uh, big picture macro viewpoint, but IDP players, they love hearing us talk about the guys that are actually p- uh, playing out there on Sundays. So it's draft season. We've all got drafts going on right now. So I'm curious which IDPs you have found yourself targeting the most in your drafts. This could be because you really like them and you want to get a share of that guy. Or maybe they're falling to the point where they're a huge value and you just can't pass them up. So who do you find yourself leaving your draft with more often than not? So I, I looked at this um, by position and sort of said, Look, who, who do I think is a good value there? Um, because I, the people I'm, I'm going for is, is whoever gets picked last because uh, I'm always looking for value there. But a defensive tackle, a guy I think is, is getting a bit underappreciated is Gino Atkins. 
Um, people have sort of got bored of Geno Atkins and, and forgotten that he's one of the better interior pass rushers. Could have talked about K1 Short. He, he was hurt last year and everyone sort of forgot him as well. Still really, really good player. I mean, even two years ago, Geno Atkins and K1 Short were elite interior pass rushers. Not maybe Aaron Donald and, and Fletcher Cox, but not too far behind them. So I like those guys. Um, in leagues that reward tackles a bit more, I'm, I'm probably looking at Danny Shelton and Lawrence Guy. Um, I, I want teams that play sides, defensive tackles, rather than a you know a three tech under tackle and a nose tackle. And I think Shelton and Guy are, are really good. Um, does Matt Ioannidis count? Maybe. I mean, people are quite high on him after he was so good last year. But those are probably defensive tackles. Um, let's do it by position. Here we go. So on the edge, uh, here is. Uh, couple of names. We already talked about Olivia Vernon. I like him a lot. I, I think he's really good value at the moment. Aside from that, I'm going to say Trey Flowers and Demarcus Lawrence. So going back to pressure, two players that people think were really bad last year. Um, certainly Lions fans. Oh, Trey Flowers is terrible. We spent all this money on him. I think he's a good player. Uh, I think he was good last year as well. I think he isn't a, a bad system, but he's still a good player. He's just never going to have 15 sacks, right? It's not who he is. Uh, I think he's still useful. And then the other one is uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence had about as much pressure as he did last year uh, in 2018. He just didn't have the sacks. So in, in 2018, he had 66 pressures. Um, 2019, 56. So 10 fewer, but you know, less than uh, about half one a game. And he went from 13 sacks to six sacks. Uh, and the difference in that is people have gone, well, I'm not having him. He was really bad last year. I'm not sure he was. Uh, so I like that. What, are, what do you reckon about those guys? Are they are they red Love flags them. or are they? No, no those, those are right up our alley. Two guys I've got, I think both uh, the defensive ends you mentioned in my top 12 as far as redraft ranks are concerned. Right. Um, Olivier Vernon's pretty much going undrafted. And, you know, I, th- I think in our listener league draft, he went undrafted. And, wow. But we start, we only start nine IDPs, but still, you know, that's, uh, that's someone that's probably going to have a, a decent bounce back. Um, I, I think he's fantastic value at that. Uh, so uh, there you go. Sort of two different ranges, right? We've got Demarcus Lawrence and Trey Flowers. And, and you can sit there and go, well, obviously they're pretty good, but I don't think they're being drafted as top six. Uh, no. They're certainly out the outside of that range of the top five right. or six guys. Oh, who for are sure. Yeah. The, your, your Bosa's and your Daniel Hunter's and your Miles Garrett's. Fine. No problem. But I, I think they're definitely in that next six. And I'm not sure they're being valued uh, at the moment in a lot of the drafts I see. There's, right. there's tip, there tends to be like two classes, right? Of guys that become values. It's dudes that had a bad year and people just say, oh, these guys must suck now. <laughs> and also guys that we just get kind of bored with, right? Like, or, or uh, that have unfortunate injury luck. You know, Gino Atkins has been great, but there's all these sexy new defensive tackles that we want to stack up in front of this guy. So that's there. There's different reasons why guys become values, but you have to keep an eye out on both. Um, Bob, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say you went out and bought the uh, Marcus Lawrence this week there, Joshy. I did. I acquired. Um, so I had a pretty nice uh, defensive end set up in our RSO league with um, Brandon Graham, Justin Houston and Max Crosby as my top three. But I really wanted to get someone in there. I'm, I'm high on Max Crosby, Tom. I don't know where you're coming down on Crosby this year. I know he seems to be a pretty divisive guy in terms of um, what IDP analysts <laughs> think. But I said, OK, right now he's kind of my number two. But if he can be my number three and I can get Demarcus Lawrence in there as the one or two and Matt and Crosby's my three with uh, top 12 upside, I like that a lot better. So I went and acquired uh, Demarcus Lawrence. But where are you coming down since we brought him up? Crosby kind of, you know, really popped last year. Mike Wollard, I know, has been talking that he's maybe off of him for 2020. Where are you coming down on Mad Max? Yeah, I'm, I'm closer to, to Mike, unfortunately. Um, I 
I thought Crosby was good. I thought he had a good year. I, I thought he is not as good as people think he is. Um, he's getting drafted as what sort of top fifteen, top top eighteen um, yeah. defensive end, and top I'm not 12. sure I believe Close in him. It. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now I've already said that. We've all said that that snaps is key. Uh, and clearly down the stretch, the Raiders believed in him and he was out there every single snap. He was playing a huge amount. Um, what's this? Uh, 50, average 54 snaps per week um, from, from week seven onwards. So crazy amount. And if he's out there that much this year, he's going to be good again. So I'm really happy with that. I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure he's as good a player as everyone thinks he is because he's new and exciting and he's got X's in his name. The um, double X. But if it was just one X, I promise you people would not be so as excited. Sick. That's so sick. <laughs> it is a cool name. I, I like to call him Triple X Max because that sounds good. <laughs> he My should be played Max. by Vin Diesel, one. right? Like in the Max Crosby <laughs> movie, it's going to be Vin Diesel. He should be. Um, I like the way you put it, though. Um, if he's your third choice defensive end, I am really happy with that. If he's your number two, I'm feeling less confident with that. So I'm pretty much there. Yeah, someone that's great to play against like bad matchups. Because I know last year he had like what four sacks against the Bengals. Right. Yeah. That was a that was they like had a, an awful Yeah, it was like know, a 45, 50 point week, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just looking. I, I've got him as defensive end twenty-three at the moment. Um, which might be a little bit low. I've got 750 snaps against him, sort of 55 pressures, eight sacks, maybe nine sacks might get there. I mean, pretty useful, pretty good. Uh, top 24, and I'm really happy with that. Fantastic value for where the Raiders got him. But the, the Raiders are still not a good pass rush team. Um, in, in 2018, they were far and away the worst um, pass rush team. The stat from back then was if the 2018 Raiders had added JJ Watt and all of his pressures, they still would have been the last uh, pass rusher team in wow. the league. That's so very bad. They went up last year. They, I think they were 25th, 26th, something like that. Um, so, so clearly improvement and clearly much better, but they're still a bad pass rush team. Um, and, and past those top two guys, I like Cleveland Ferrell uh, to sort of come back a little bit. There's not a lot else there. Carl Nassib is there. Yeah. Um, Hurst, I think. Some, you know, he's, he's decent. Um, Maurice Hurst. I think you're just if you like that team, you're, you're banking on them to take a, a step forward because they do have a lot of young guys. They're, they're a young team. So, I mean, we could see those guys get better and better. Completely but, uh, remade offensive skill yeah. position guys. I mean, yeah, two new linebackers in there. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the key thing for me is now maybe they don't have to worry about stopping the run as much with Kwiatkowski and with Corey Littleton, you know, so maybe they can uh, focus on those pressures just a bit more, but yeah, the Raiders should be fun to watch for this year. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, I'm sure you've seen it as well when you get questions and DMs and stuff. Linebacker is still the most popular position for IDP players. So let's talk about linebackers. Who are the guys that you find yourself targeting in your drafts? All right. Uh, so first off, Matt Milano, uh, big fan of Matt Milano here. So um, Bob, let's go back to a question earlier uh, and sort of Mike, Will and Sam. One of the big trends that I see in the NFL is um, sort of opposite to what we think. Um, we tend to call mobile coverage linebackers wills. And actually, the, the more and more I look at it, the more li they're lining up on the strong side because teams that are taking their, their more mobile linebacker or their strong safety and putting them over the tight end. So they, they're more on the tight end uh, because tight end is a is a receiving um, role now and not a run blocking role. Um, mm. And Matt Milano plays more on the strong side than Tremaine Edmonds does, uh, which is weird, but I really like Matt Milano. I see everyone's into Tremaine Edmonds. Me too. I think he's top, top eight linebacker uh, as an um, IDP, but I don't know that he's massively miles ahead of Matt Milano. I think Matt Milano could easily be a top 20 linebacker as well. I think he's a really good player. He's very good in coverage. That's what I target most of all. Um, and he seems to be a little bit undervalued. So 
big fan of him. Second guy I'm going to say is Joe Schobert. Uh, so you just mentioned, uh, you know, people that were injured or not very good last year. Everyone sort of thinks they're bad. Joe Schobert's been hurt for two years in a row. Uh, so now people think he can't stay healthy or, or however you say it, or he's not very good anymore. I think Joe Schobert's really good. So I'll take that. And after that, two players who are, are a bit deeper. I've gone for Davion Taylor, the um, uh, Eagles linebacker. I, I'm not sure he starts the year, especially not with COVID and, and difficult rookie situations and all that sort of stuff. But I think he'll be one of those two Eagle linebackers by the end of the year. Uh, and I think he's, he's really exciting going forward. And the other guy who I hate myself for saying is Foyer Beluacon uh, in Atlanta, um, who I don't think is that good. Um, but he, he's probably better than Michael Walker. We've talked about rookies having a hard job. Uh, Dion, Dion Jones is obviously one of those. And then there's this big hole next to him. And I think Aluakon's um, in line for the job at the moment. So I like him at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great post-hype sleeper. I know yeah. I had a lot of Aluakon last year thinking, oh, this is going to be the guy. He's going to have the opportunity. You still had Devondre Campbell there, the uh, the the vampire taking all the tackles. <laughs> yep. um, Tom, you mentioned Joe Schobert being hurt. Were you talking about Christian Kirksey as far as missing the last two seasons? Or... Yes, you're, you're, you're right. I okay. got my Browns mixed up there. So <laughs> um, I know we it, love Matt Milano. Yeah, I, I mean, say, and, Milano's a bit, a guy that we are all very high on is extremely handsome. Yes. It stops right there. That's the only reason, <laughs> uh, but I know he Christian looker, Kirksey, yeah, he's, he's a and very the handsome Gosh. Yes. And the Bobby loves Milano cookies uh-huh. as well. Absolutely. So, uh, but Eddie, I know you really high on Christian Kirksey this oh, year. Oh yeah. Kirksey, man. It, um, I think he's going to, and I think Tom is too. I believe Tom had him in the top 10. I think I, I think I may have him like 14, but that's, um, that's just, you know, the injury concern. I think that, uh, if, if he plays, you know, if he, if he doesn't miss any games, he's going to be a top 10, uh, linebacker this year. Love him. Yeah. Those are great, Tom. I, I really enjoy that as well. The, the Milano take, I know we're really big on, especially with you look at their defensive line, you know, Ed Oliver sitting out for a couple games now because of the no, game. no, the, the lawsuit got dropped. Oh, so I, wow. I, I, I don't know. He yeah. may still get a suspension, but that it, since it was dropped, I'm not anticipating any kind of missed games for him. Okay. Well, either way, Jordan Phillips is gone as well. We all like Matt Milano. Um, the Joe Schobert take is interesting. It'll be fun to see how Miles Jack looks, uh, you know, moving back outside and everything. Davion Taylor, it's not something, that's not somebody we've talked about a ton. You know, I know everybody's huge on the, you know, Willie Gay, Isaiah Simmons, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen, but, you know, Davion Taylor's a, a sneaky little rookie. Why? I guess, obviously, Jatavis is nothing, but um, there's not a whole lot of people there in front of him. Sorry, I'm, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt that hurt yeah, right there. so I'm slightly higher on <laughs> rookie linebackers gone up for me um, so for the last two or three years really I've, I've sort of shied away from rookie linebackers I didn't think we were going to walk into an immediate job Jermaine Pratt was an example last year I, I, I didn't see him winning that job in week one so I thought no point in carrying a linebacker who won't and then a couple of weeks ago I, I looked back at, at how much rookie linebackers play and then I looked at rookie linebackers who play at least 500 snaps a year um, so basically, you know, starting half the games or whatever. And it was something like 14, the average. Uh, it was way higher than I thought. So I'm, I'm thinking, if I look at linebackers and think it's only those four or five guys at the top that walk into an obvious job, that's not enough because there's going to be another six, seven, eight, ten of them who end up having a job by the end of the year. And I think someone like Taylor is is very primed to be one of those guys. So you're probably going to have to bite the bullet and sit there watching him not play for a few weeks, but he's likely to have a job. The Aluakon take is interesting too because, you know, Deion Buchanan is nothing. I don't think Tom's a big Buchanan fan, but especially in Sleeper, Aluakon is the, uh, he's a little cheat code because he's the LB and the uh, the DB, DB. designation as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, who's your I guy? I still not change that. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. That's do you like, play sleeper, Tom? You, are you going? Any, you have any sleeper leagues? I, no, I don't. Um, I, I do with a, a work league, um, but but pr- primarily not for IDB because they always do things like this. They they sort of make decisions based on what someone did in college and, and never change it. So, uh, a has been in the NFL for a while now. It's probably time to realize. That's so weird. Oh. Like he's, he's not getting any run there. Like, why is he a DB? <laughs> he yeah, he was in college for a year. I guess that's weird though. <sighs> so, who knows? And maybe they have a different definition to what I do of, of where a safety becomes a linebacker. And obviously, it's entirely interpretive. So we've got no idea. But I just I I'll just don't know why you doubt. can't. I know. I think you can do this in um in um the my mfl leagues Mm -hmm. that you can change players positions like why don't we just make that the standard yeah you know offensive uh you don't have to really worry about this unless you got jalen samuels you know some tomfoolery there with tight end versus running back designations (laughs) but it doesn't tend to happen on the offensive side for defense just let us change the position you know like we're in a the reality sports online league and they just have one positional designation and they do d tackle d end linebacker safety cornerback most of the time they get it right, but there are definitely some guys that we would love to be able to switch over to other positions. Um, or, you know, somebody like Zadarius Smith gets killed because he's listed as a linebacker. Chandler Jones. Yeah. A lot of these guys that Bradley should Chubb. have that kind of D end or edge designation are just getting killed, getting lumped in with these linebackers. So we got a spot in uh, shark city. If you want it, Tom, <laughs> <laughs> it's on sleeper. It may, it may upset you though. That the, the way they <laughs> do let's it. talk. I may have a go. So on okay. that subject, I'd, I'd love to hear your opinions. Cause uh, no one ever answers this question. I, I don't know what the difference is between defensive end and an outside linebacker. Um, I think it used to be whether your hand was on the floor or not, but nobody ever sort of confirms that's what they think. So what do you guys think the difference is? Uh, yeah, I just, that's, that would be my first thing. And then defensive end is in, this is probably totally wrong. If you look at the statistics and how players are used, but I think about them being just constant pass rushers and OLBs maybe dropping back into coverage a little bit more, but, Again, that's how my brain thinks about it. Maybe totally off base. I don't know. Addy, have you kind of parsed this out? Yeah, I don't really. I'm not too too concerned about it, really. Yeah, I haven't really given it much thought, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's really interesting. A lot of people say something similar. Um, yeah, tend to have fairly strong opinions on whether one player is one thing or the other. And then you get quite close to it and go, well, what is this guy doing? Jadavian Clowney is a good example, right? Because he, he lines up right on the line of scrimmage almost all the time inside the tackle over the tackle but he always stands up so i don't know is he different i i just find it really interesting um that these are things we think we know and actually there's there's no standard definition so I, the, the other example is um is you know, we talk about europe right everyone talks about continents and sorry this is totally off base but it's interesting i'm gonna i'm gonna force you through it so people talk about europe as a thing as a continent and you go brilliant what's continent they go well it's a large mass of of land surrounded by sea and you go brilliant where's the sea that that is between europe and asia there isn't one it's thousands right. of miles of land <laughs> so anyway random example right but i think edge is very similar it's one of those things that everyone thinks they understand the official definition of and then you look at it in detail and you go oh, I, I don't know what it is actually it's it's weird yeah well it's kind of like you talked about earlier too tom you know everybody thinks well this is a three four this is a four three defense well really i guess if you go back and look at the tape is it so maybe it's kind of uh it's rude of us to to group everybody into this you know box of lb or edge or you know whatever they are because obviously we know every team is different 
Yeah, we yeah. don't care. We're just here to have fun. That's right. Give us the dual designation, honestly. That's that yeah. it makes things easier, truly. <laughs> I, don't I don't think we have like yeah, like just call us on an edge. So That's easy. right. That'd it's true. Yeah. We don't have like really blistering hot takes as far as like, no, this guy should be an OLB yeah. versus a D. We don't really care. We've like, never been protesting for the edge. Yeah, stuff. we don't exactly. care. People do what you want, man. Do what you want. You know, yeah. we have our league that we like. We wouldn't want people coming in and telling us it's wrong. Just yeah. like we're not going to tell you the same yeah. thing. Play it however you want. That's what makes fantasy hey, fun. We've got enough COVID problems this year. If they're just out there, we're, we're doing well. <laughs> That's right. If they're on the field, we're doing great wherever they line up. You're right. We probably need to find ways to get along a little bit more and not fall That's out. That's true, especially <laughs> yeah. this year. So uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, IDPs you're targeting. Let's talk about DBs. Uh, this will primarily be safeties, I assume, but maybe some cornerbacks thrown in the mix. Well, who are you Who are you looking at? Uh, no, look, I love a cornerback, but I'm, I'm certainly not going to subject your listeners to uh, talk about underrated Thank cornerbacks. That is, a, that is a bad way of doing it. So safeties, um, a couple of guys spring to mind for me. So Ronnie Harrison. We mentioned him earlier. I think Ronnie Harrison is that old school in the box, basically extra linebacker. Big fan of Ronnie Harrison. Also, do you remember when the Jags came um, to London a couple of years ago and, and some of the guys spent a night in the cell for falling out with a bouncer at a strip club? So Ronnie Harrison was there, um, but his name wasn't released to the print, uh, to the press. Um, so respect to Ronnie Harrison, because that was pretty Absolutely. cool. <laughs> so big fan of him. Um, then he got Chuck Clark. Um, so it took over that, that, sort of strong safety, although it's a bit more interchangeable role in Ravens last year. And everyone gets crazy about Jamal Adams and, and how much he, he rushes the passer. Chuck Clark rushed the passer more than Jamal Adams last year. I think that probably continues. So that's really exciting. And then after that, a couple of deeper guys, I've gone for Dion Bush, um, who at the moment looks to be the obvious strong safety in Chicago. Um, I, I'm not sure how long he holds that job, but he's sort of the only option at the moment. So I, I don't hate that. And then potentially real deep guy, it may work out Raven Green in uh, Green Bay. Remember the start of last year when he was basically playing in the box? Um, Adrian Amos and him sort of chopped and changed a little bit, but Raven Green has a chance to be that sort of dime linebacker. Um, so given that he's, he's totally undrafted everywhere, he's only worth holding if you've got a ridiculously big roster. Um, yeah, but I, I think dives. he's worth owning in, in those leagues. Yeah, a couple of guys we haven't really talked about at all there. So appreciate yeah. you diving deep for those two. That was that was mm-hmm. perfect. Those are the those are the kind of gems that we were hoping Tom K would bring. And baby, you have delivered. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's wrap. I, up I'd here. go for Dion Bush. I, I think a lot of people should be signing Dion Bush that haven't at the moment. Good name to keep in mind. You mentioned uh, and, and talk about things we know that people love, uh, and this is not just IDP players. People love rookies. We saw our you know listens on the podcast shot through the roof around the NFL draft when most casual fans were checking back in. So let's wrap up here with some rookie talk, Tom. And you mentioned that there may be some rookie linebackers you're rising on, but with no training camp, no preseason, how are you approaching rookies in 2020? Are you staying away in your drafts or are you rolling with the maybe handful of guys that you really like their opportunity? So it goes back to looking at weekly waivers and snaps. Um, I, I will be much more comfortable in season about going after rookies, but at the moment I'm, I'm pretty much trying to avoid them. Um, so, so I, I, I sort of, Splitting into two little uh, lists and said, look, there's a couple of guys who are going to be instant hits, right? Players I would expect to play from week one and pretty much be full-time players and be really reliable, even given the problems. You've got Chase Young um, on the edge for Washington. Uh, Washington Football Club. Uh, we actually got called that. A Washington football team, aren't they? Yeah. Idiots. Yeah. Anyway, um, he's going to be really good. He's going to come in. He's going to play and he's, he's going to be awesome. So big fan there. you got Patrick Queen, uh, Ravens linebacker. 
I see pretty much no way he doesn't walk into a, an instant job. Jeremy Chin, we've already talked about um, Panthers safety, big fan there. Isaiah Simmons is going to have a full-time role, I think. Um, whether he's as effective as Jordan Hicks, I'm not sure, but he, he's worth gambling for. And then one of the guys who I weirdly feel strongly about at the moment is Daryl uh, Taylor. Uh, Seahawks um, defensive end. They picked him in the second round and they lost so much of their edge talent last year. Jadavian Clowney's gone. Ziggy Anser is gone. I mean, who knows if either of those come back. But at the moment, you look at the Seahawks and you go, Taylor has sort of got the inside track on that um, on that Leo job. Um, so I think he's definitely worth a gamble. And then some players I, I like as, as being a little bit less confident about. Willie Gay, um, we talked about just now, Chiefs linebacker. Um, I think he might have a hard adaptation, but they, they clearly don't believe in their existing linebackers. Um, you've got Anthony Hitchens um, and Damian Wilson, who are terrible coverage players. I mean, they so won the Super Bowl, so they're not that bad. Uh, but they really cannot play in space. So Willie Gay, would, it seems, was brought in to fill that hole. I expect that to happen pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Yasuo Grossmatos uh, in Carolina, the edge player. Ah, I don't know about, so this is pretty nerdy. I was watching Gross Matos uh, around rookie season. He had that weird stance, right? He had his, his one hand down, his legs so far out and sort of turned around. And I was watching Dietrich Wise, the Patriots uh, defensive end the other day, and he really looked similar to me. Um, and I, it's just one of those nerdy things I'm talking about for no reason. <laughs> and then two other guys. Um, I like Kenneth Murray, uh, the Chargers linebacker. Um, now it's Chargers linebackers, right? And Gus Bradley is sort of not committed to anyone, but they traded up for him. It's in the first round. So I'm expecting him to be a full-time player at some point. And then the other really interesting wild card is Kyle Duggar. So I, I just see it's amazing. The Patriots took him so early. He was like, what, 39th overall choice or, or something crazy like that. And I think he might play a bit deeper to start off with but they've lost so many other safeties Patrick Chung's gone Adrian Phillips is sort of guaranteed a a full-time role at the moment Joran Harmon's gone maybe McCourty plays a bit deeper it seems like Kyle Duggar is probably going to be on the field a lot and that's interesting yeah absolutely I think all those guys are are rookies that we're high on great situations Um, where Tom right now in your rankings where do you have Chase Young for defensive linemen uh, good question. I probably got him a little bit disappointing because um, I look at that Washington team and think, well, you've got three good pass rushes, probably going to rotate a little bit. So I've got him, uh-huh, not that low. I've got him at 15th at the moment. Um, so I've got him as 10, 10 sacks as a rookie. Yeah. So for me, he's definitely in that top tier of talent. We talked about earlier, you've got both Bosa's, you've got Daniel Hunter, you've got Miles Garrett and somebody else that I'm forgetting. Um, who knows uh, but it's somebody else there uh, and I think he'll definitely be part of that and the, the last time I fell for this was when Miles Garrett um, in his second year was going to play for Greg Williams who we talked about in Cleveland and I went to that thinking oh Greg Williams loves to rotate his defensive uh, ends I, I think he'll probably be looking at 600 snaps maybe not a full-time player and and I think he led all edges in, in snaps that time and I was wildly wrong and he had a really good year so I I'm I'm higher on Chase Young. I'm getting higher by the day. So at the moment, I've got slightly less than 700 snaps for him, but I I could easily add on an extra 100 to that and, and see him as a sort of bottom top 12 option. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those deals where it's like, he's a rookie. He can't be that good off the bat. But it's like, well, he can be. I mean, we saw what Bosa did. We saw what Josh Allen did. Crosby, I mean, he, he really can come in right away and, and be the best piece on that defense by far. That's kind of what I'm banking on. It is a little bit projecting, but we have seen... 
you know, instant impact from some yeah. of these top tier. And I, I, I choose to believe, I think Chase Young is the cream of the crop yeah. in terms of those elite defensive ends coming that in. The cream, league. what's it do, Josh? It rises, Adam, <laughs> it rises. So uh, just a little piece of breaking news here. Uh, sorry to kind of pivot uh, to the offensive side of the ball, but Matt Stafford just hit the COVID list. Ooh. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that does not mean that they have coronavirus. As we know, it just means that they might have been exposed to someone, and so they're going to put him on that list, get him tested, make sure he's good. But Go get first, your Chase Daniels. Yeah, there you go. Uh, potentially, maybe. I guess it's good that he has it now. But um, yeah, this is going to be the, the first quarterback to hit that list and not definitely not the last. So just wanted to sneak that piece of news in there. Uh, you were talking earlier about the Lions offense, Tom. Talk about a unit that we do not want to see without their starting quarterback. We had yeah. enough of that last year. Jeez. Yeah, David Blau wasn't very good at football. Um, no, he was really not. We had, we had him on Thanksgiving, so everyone got to watch how great he was. Not. So I'm, I remember uh, the other edge guy. I was thinking. Um, I always forget TJ Watt. TJ Watt is an go. elite, elite yes. edge, um, and everyone always forgets him. Well, I do anyway. So sorry. Is he? Who's the better Watt brother right now? I think TJ. You think TJ is TJ. the guy right TJ now? TJ is the one. Yeah, yeah a, I, I think you're right. Debate. So yeah, the I question just, a year ago, we didn't know the answer was who do you prefer on your team, both Bosa brothers or both Watt brothers? Um, and it was quite close at the time. And now it's it's sort of the Bosa's by a distance, isn't it? Yeah, I would yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, JJ's uh, holding up the rear. Man. Well, yeah, and it's just, it's just injuries. You know, yeah. he's kind of like I said, he's like Gronk. He's sort of got all of these different body parts right. that have been injured, you know, back, forearm. <laughs> you know, it's just like he's a Frankenstein monster at this point with how many different surgeries and operations that he's had. So you hate it because he's probably one of the best talents. He's a freak. Yeah. He's a freak. <laughs> Just not around the bush. Look at all those scars. Um, but yeah, it is it is kind of tragic. You wish we could have gotten just just more from him in the prime of his career. But hey, I agree. I think he's a nice bounce back candidate because he just didn't have the sacks last year. Yeah. So all right, Tom. Well, we'll get you out of here on this. I want you to rack your brain and give me one guy that IDP players are not talking about that you think is primed. Let's just set the Corona stuff aside right now of like maybe this, you know, that can kind of submarine all of our takes, right? So just in an ideal world, what's one player that people aren't talking about that you think is primed for a big season in 2020? Um, let's go for Titans linebacker Jayon Brown. Oh, um, yes, Tom. That's a fan of Jayon Brown here. We, we mentioned it briefly earlier that the number one thing I want from linebacker is ability to play in space. Because um, coverage snaps are uh, a lead to more snaps because you can be a full time player and b they're more efficient for players anyway. I'm not a big fan of the Titans this year, but I, I think Jayon Brown is is the top linebacker on that group. Everyone gets excited about Rashawn Evans um, because you know cool memorable name and he's a first round draft pick. Uh, but Jayon Brown I think is the better player. Um, maybe not against the run. Certainly, Rashawn Evans can do things he can't. But Jayon Brown is probably going to be more consistent and better overall. So, top twenty-four linebacker, I'm pretty confident of. If he was top twelve, wouldn't be shocked still. Two thumbs up. That was one of the players, along with Ronnie Harrison, that we mentioned on the yep. first episode, Tom. So you are checking all the boxes right now. So I appreciate that take. And I agree. I think he is the best Titans linebacker. So uh, we'll get you out of here, Tom. Give us, uh, we, we mentioned at the top of the show, but give us the details. Where can people find you on social media? Where can they find your work? And what's some stuff you have coming up here? 
Um, yeah, so if, if you want to sort of argue with me about football or, or look at dorky charts, then you can find me mostly on the Twitters um, at Tom Kislingberry. I'm not going to spell my name because, you know, you can find it. One of the one of the vast benefits of being the only Tom Kislingberry in the world is it's sort of my username everywhere and it's fairly easy to find. So have a search for that. Um, and apart from that, yeah, I do all my writing at DLF. Uh, so I'm sort of working out how I can do preseason at the moment and starting to get into team previews and um, that sort of thing. The podcast is The Read and React. You can find it on Twitter at the read and react or just search for it on wherever you listen to good podcasts and that's normally where we are um and apart from that i'll sort of be cropping up and talking about football hopefully fingers crossed if we get a football season that's right we're all <laughs> fingers and toes crossed well <laughs> don this has been great like i said you were part of this journey really from day one you know i think we had this started as a podcast for our league like we said we had maybe like 40 people listening to that for some reason, listening to a podcast about our fantasy football league with 12 guys in it. No idea why. Um, so we decided to do that pod and we thought, man, if we get 100 people to listen to it, we'll be thrilled. And with your help, we were able to blow blow past that with the first episode. So thank you, sir, for all your support. Thank you for what you've done to push the IDP industry forward. And thanks for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. No, uh, the pleasure is all mine. It's been brilliant spending uh, the evening talking about football. Um, you guys put out really good content. It's a brilliant pod. Um, and I definitely recommend everyone pays more attention to you. So I'm I'm certainly a listener. Uh, I think everyone else should be as well. So thank you very much for giving me your time. I very much appreciate it. Wow. That's, a, that's, that's big right there. Shoo-wee, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> Got to give you some Kentucky as we go out. So, all right. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to this very special Saturday episode. We'll be back next Thursday with uh, Kyle Borgannoni from the Fantasy Footballers talking about his first IDP draft, his new DFS pod with Fantasy Footballers, and all of the stuff that we have coming up for this season. Be sure to tune in. Big things as always, Addy. It's going to be a lot of fun. The season's getting closer. Hey, we're going to let's clip that thing that's. Tom just said well, just, you want to was do it on a loop just play it on continuous <laughs> that could be the, the start to the show I agree yeah. all right y'all take care stay safe we'll see you next week if you like big three IDP you'll love the IDP guys you can find us on Stitcher iTunes basically anywhere you find your podcasts uh, and I mean Mostly, I'm just really sorry about Mike's marriage. That's that's really what I'm here to say. Right, right. If you want hot takes on Mike's failing marriage and talk about poop occasionally, sometimes IDP and fantasy football in general, and you like to worship Babu Freak and follow Tony Johns to protect Baby Yoda, that's the place for you, idpguys.org. What's up, guys? It's Josh. And one of the things that you may not know about me is that in addition to hosting this podcast with Bobby and Adam, I'm also a writer. That is my full-time job. But with that said, I'm not as avid as a reader as you might think. That's because it's hard for me to find time to sit down, crack open a book, and read it. But what I do love are audiobooks. And one of my absolute favorites, and I know as football fans you will appreciate this is Boys Will Be Boys, The Glory Days and Party Nights of the Dallas Cowboys Dynasty. I know my boy Johnny the Greek loves this book as well. And you have to check out the audiobook version. Author Mori, the narrator, does a fantastic job bringing this crazy, wild, you-will-not-believe-it, your-jaw-will-drop story from Jeff Perlman to life 
in such vivid and rich detail that I really do prefer the audiobook version to the print version. And here's the good news. You can actually listen to it for free. We have partnered up with Audible. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash big3idp, you're going to get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Now, that includes one audiobook plus select Audible Originals. After the trial, you get that same setup with a rotating selection of Audible Originals plus exclusive sleep tracks and guided wellness programs. Audible has the biggest selection of audiobooks on the planet. It's only $14.95 a month after the 30-day trial. You can cancel anytime, and they'll even send you an email reminder before your trial ends. So go to audibletrial.com slash big3idp. Check out Boys Will Be Boys by Jeff Perlman. You are not going to regret it. That's audibletrial.com slash big3idp. Check it out. Dream Team, Adam, Bobby, Josh, you got the news feed. It's the Big Three, it's the Dream Team, Big Three, IDP, let's go.